Okay, start it. Hello, everyone. Uh, we are, let's discuss a paper um, in two hours after reading it. And what we do is uh, finding a recently published paper in the topics of consciousness, and we read it within two hours and then meet here on the Zoom and uh, discuss it and just share my, our questions and opinions and uh, kind of anything that comes up to our mind. So uh, let us introduce ourselves first. Uh, Yota, please. Uh, hi, I'm Yota Koshma. I'm doing research assistant at ATL and Monash University. Thank you, and Ryochi. Hi, I'm Ryochi Watanabe at Kyoto University and a PhD student. And uh, I am Aniko Kustor, I'm a PhD student at Monash University, and today I am going to summarize the paper. So the paper that we have read today is titled The Ascending Arousal System Shapes Neural Dynamics to Mediate Awareness of Cognitive States. It was written by Brandon Mann, uh, Eli Müller, uh, Gabrielle uh, Weinstein, or Weinstein, and James uh, M. Shine, and it was published in Nature Communications. Uh, and uh, yeah, all of the authors are from, I think, yeah, all of them are from the University of Sydney. So at least for me, they are pretty close. <laughs> um, yeah. So this paper is um, raising a very interesting kind of point about uh, the brain. Uh, they start by discussing that uh, it is actually very uh, cool how the brain can quickly switch between um, different functional networks and the activity of different functional networks. And uh, for example, uh, when you are paying attention to a task, um, brain regions that are relatively uh, different from each other, or they are segre segregated um, by, you know, cortical regions, uh, they are able to activate together and connect and, and uh, process information. And this kind of flexibility is um, somewhat unknown how, how it is actually, how it can emerge. So the authors suggest that potentially the ascending arousal system uh, can have a mediating role in this. And they specifically uh, discuss or they specifically look at two systems, the adrenergic uh, neuromodulation system, which is, and they mostly look at the locus cerebrus or LC, um, which is known to promote um, arousal changes and um, kind of um, uh, like exploratory behaviors or exploration. And they also look at the cholinergic neuromodulation system, uh, specifically the basal nucleus of uh, Maynard, so BNM. Um, and this region is, as I, as I said, it's, it's about cholinergic modulation and associated with uh, attention uh, and vigilance. And they have uh, looked at um, the activity in these regions uh, during uh, resting state activity in a seven Tesla fMRI scanner. 
and they try to look at how um, so because all of these regions are both so both of these regions are known to have kind of uh, a phasic bursts uh, in in their activity or uh, and that kind of it has been suggested that these phasic bursts really um, they they play a crucial role in in changing neural dynamics. They have um, tried to characterize these phasic bursts of of both LC and MNM activity. Um, and so what they have found is uh, it's yeah so basically. Uh, they have found two, or they have made two main findings. One of them is um, that um, the global integration of different neural uh, regions uh, was enhanced uh, by this, by these regions activity. And the other more interesting uh, idea that was a bit, I was kind of unsure uh, or uh, didn't quite understand, but but sounded quite uh, interesting is uh, that they looked at the uh, so-called energy landscape of the brain, and they didn't look at the, they didn't use the meaning of energy in the physical sense, but they used it as uh, metabolic energy. And um, yeah, so they looked at how these uh, two uh, brain regions potentially can um, modify the the uh, the energy landscape or energy characteristics of of the whole brain. So what they have found is, and what uh, they have kind of um, suggest, is that the noradrenaline or um, uh, locus ceruleus system, uh, it plays a facilitatory role in uh, brain transitions. So um, its activity actually contributes to uh, to the to increased changes in um, in different brain states. On the other hand, the uh, the acetylcholine or, or cholinergic activity, uh, it actually decreases the likelihood of uh, brain state transitions. Um, and yeah, so basically with this and the, these two regions also have, um, uh, so they have their activity, uh, have their separate effect, but they also have their uh, effect kind of their, the summation of their effect, which is actually not a linear combination, but so uh, there's, um, or it is a linear combination, but it's not the, the actual like sum of the two uh, regions uh, activity. Uh, and yeah, they, they basically show how uh, these uh, arousal systems really change um, or influence um, basically functional connectivity and uh, and general activity patterns in the brain. And they also have a, a smaller uh, section about uh, uh, the role of the locus ceruleus in uh, like um, potentially contributing to uh, changes in the conscious, the content of consciousness uh, by looking at uh, fMRI data 
collected uh, with uh, participants who were expert meditators and they reported changes in their conscious content. Uh, and yeah, overall, it seems that, um, yeah, these are also systems have a very um, crucial effect on, on brain dynamics. Um, yeah, this is how I would summarize it. Do you have anything to add or, um, yeah, anything I have missed? Funny, okay. I have really to the summarize. Thank you. Then uh, let's go to discussion. So, do you guys have any uh, questions or, or any um, thoughts about this paper? you are muted. Okay. Yeah. Can you hear me now? Yeah. Okay. So first of all, uh, this paper was a bit difficult for me to understand, and that because I'm not familiar with the uh, function of the two, you know, neural moderator. The what the name? The adrenergic, uh, adrenergic, adrenergic. Uh, and uh, yeah, that's one, and the cholinergic uh, one. And that, you know, in this paper, they explain that they have uh, two different roles. And then they link that functional role with the, you know, the change of the energy landscape. Um, so, First, uh, let me, uh, I, um, me uh, confirm what I understand is uh, correct. So the first, the LC is to integrate the brain activity somehow. And then BNM to segregate the brain activity. And here, if we want to interpret these, you know, integration segregation in the energy landscape framework, that more integrate means that the more transition, so the energy landscape will be flat because if the landscape is flat, easy to you know a transit from one state to another state because you don't need to you know overcome a heel from one state to the other. And, but in the segregation case, meaning that the neural activity will less likely to uh, transit into another state. So in the energy landscape uh, framework, this means that the, the height is of the energy um, landscape is really high or from one state's uh, local minima to another local minima, it's really difficult to overcome here um, the hill from one state to the other. And in the, in the you know, paper, in this 
paper, they showed that um, actually based on the analysis, they found that the energy uh, landmark behave as they expected, meaning that for the LC case, the energy landscape just flattened and then BNM case, it's um, emphasized the uh, differences in a sense. Is it correct? Yeah, I think so. Uh, maybe I can share my screen and then we can look at the figure, uh, one of the figures of the papers. Uh, can you see? Yeah, so I think this is what you have been talking about. This is figure two. Um, I guess this A section is really well, uh, kind of illustrates what you have been talking about, saying that it's like these, the difference between these two states in um it's kind of seem to be smaller or more easily uh kind of uh it's it's more easy to to transition as opposed to the differences between here so, so yeah yeah i think this is you you had a very good summary of this yes uh, but my uh, question about that, you know, figure is that in the top um, row, they show the an ideal scenario where there are several, you know, states or local minima. But in their um, results, there seems to be only one. So it's just like a slope from one place to another not the, you know, wave-like shape. So in that case, I don't know whether, you know, their prediction really true because the starting point of their argument is that um, in the integration case, the uh, one state is more likely to be another state. But in their result, they shows that they are only the flat, meaning that the, for each states, the energy is kind of, or the stable. So I can kind of see that, that there will be, you know, low transition in that case, but in the BMN, the green, you know, line case, the slope is very steep, meaning that the, each, you know, state is unstable. So the transition will, I think, more likely to happen in the red case if we only have one, you know, local minima or in this like, slope kind of shape. So I, I don't know whether, you know, their prediction really, you know, validated by this you know results or if i misunderstand the you know the first starting point maybe my interpretation is wrong but you know the first point is that whether one state can be more likely to become an, another state or not so if that's the case then i don't know whether you know their results actually 
you know, as the same as their uh, predictions. What, what do you think, or is my understanding wrong, or? I, I, to be honest, I'm not sure if I understand what you mean. I think uh, this single slope is like, it's not the actual brain activity, but it's more like a, um, like the relationship between the, uh, this kind of energy landscape uh, and the mean squared displacement, this MSD uh, kind of function, which, which I, I couldn't quite understand or, or didn't have the time to really try to figure out what exactly that means. Um, yeah, I, I don't know if I, if I understand um, how would that, like, um, like whether this function, the, the uh, mean square displacement function um, is like, why would, why would that have like multiple uh, waves or multiple, multiple um, dips? I, I don't understand. Okay, probably I will share my screen, but I think you are kind of, you know, comments somehow resolve my question. Um, but anyway, um, so here is the, you know, the figure, figure two from the paper. And then the first thing is that I do not understand how we can, you know, translate the top A, you know, this figure into this B. I misunderstand this part, I think. And the my point was that if we only focus on this, you know, top low, the first starting point is that the you know states here is more likely to transit to this or less likely to transit to this. And then in LC case here, if the shape is flat, you know, the hill is really small. So it's more likely to transit one state to the other. But in this NBM case, the hill here is really high. So meaning that the state is less likely to transit from one to another. I understand this prediction. And but here, from this result, you know, you can see the steepness of each, you know, shape is different. And here, this green one is more steep than the red one. And here, if we, you know, put some states here, you can see it's unstable. So, it's more likely to, you know, fall into these states based on this energy, you know, flat landscape. But here, if we take this, you know, for example, states here, it's all already, you know, kind of stable. So it's less likely to move into like a, let's say left side or right side. So if, 
this scenario, the state is less likely to transit from one to another. Right? But why, why would like the uh, flatness of that curve um, or that function would determine the like the the easiness of the uh, state transition? So okay, so this is my but not, not sorry, not the easiness, the the the, the stability. Uh, okay, so this is my understanding. So might be correct and might might be wrong, but uh, here on the stableness or the transition probability is like you know, in this case, um, here is the local uh, minima. So the that y-axis is energy, and the less energy means stable and the high energy is unstable. So if let's say a state is the top the top of the hill here, it's unstable. So just uh, poking the states a little bit will you know fall into this you know states or another states. So meaning that the these states can be um, transit to another states more easily in a sense. That was my interpretation. So if my understanding is correct or makes sense, then the flatness means that uh, it's already kind of a stable state, uh, state. So less likely to, you know, transit into another, you know, states. Um, does it make sense or still unclear? Maybe my interpretation is wrong because as I uh, mentioned um, at the beginning, I still um, couldn't understand how we can, you know, transform the top figure to this, you know, the 2D metric uh, plot. And, um, you know, this, you know, slope kind of explanation will not vary in this domain. Only in this, you know, top dome figure. Does it mm, make sense or still? Yeah, yeah, no, I, I definitely still understand that you have a point there, but I, I'm just not sure how, um, Yeah, so I'm not sure. I yeah, I should have I should have spent more time on reading the uh, mathematical equations, but uh, I mean I, I couldn't had I yeah. yeah I couldn't understand um, that quickly what like what exactly were they doing in in these uh, um, kind of transformations. Well. So mm, I kind of understand, you know, what they try to say and why they show this is varied because, you know, what they focus is only, you know, the difference from the baseline. And if it's more flat, um, flatter 
than the baseline, we should observe this kind of difference. And that's also observed in the actual uh, results or data from the analysis. And in this case, the you know, shape is more you know, emphasized. And that's also observed in this, you know, on their data. But again, I, I still um, struggle to understand this, you know, results. But that was my, you know, question. And um, stop sharing. Yeah, I'm, I'm sure. Yoshi, do you have any inputs? Yeah, yeah, yeah I, I agree. Uh, what, what Yoda said, the energy, energy translation. But sorry, I, I can't understand this paper. So, uh, so stability. So the energy translate from uh, high, high energy to zero energy or the unstable. And the, so the high energy means the, Unstability and low energy means low stability. So high energy, so the uh, state translate from high energy and from high energy to low energy and means that uh, uh, unstability to stability, right? And in this picture, so uh, I understand what the first one, first picture and last one. What last one in the last? Uh, figure, there is no uh, state information. I, so first, I think maybe, you know, introducing the term stability is not appropriate mm -hmm. because what they want to investigate is only the, the shape of the curve or the mm -hmm. surface. If it's flat, it means that the one, you know, local minimum can be yeah, yeah, yeah. into another local minima. But if it's, you know, very steep or very fractured, then one local minima cannot be into another. So here, they are nothing to do with stability, I think, because the stability is only is behavior at the local minima, around the local minima or at the you know, local maxima. So the comparison is the highest point and the lowest point, I think. Not about the, from lowest point to another lowest point, I think. But again, I don't know. So that's the reason why I said that this paper was a bit difficult mm -hmm. to understand mm -hmm. me and then still need time to interpret their results. But I think their point is that, uh, you know, you tend to focus on the cerebral cortex in order to, mm -hmm. you know, investigate the consciousness or any like a cognitive function, whatever. But this paper, or what this paper says is that um, you also need to investigate the, you know, fairly, um, I don't know how to, the, not the cerebral cortex, but the old uh, region, in a sense, yeah. Yeah, yeah, subcortical. Yeah, yeah, yeah subcortical. Yeah, I see. And I have a one 
see another question that, yeah, I understand this uh, in our context, the state, state and state one, state two is a foreign activity or is a nurse transmitter activity, but um, no way, state, state mean what? As a, or cognitive, cognitive, cognitive state or as a, a phenomenal state, how to relate this state in this context or in this figure one or something? Well, I think what state here means is, 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 is related to the bold activity. So, mm. um, wow. like we know that uh, bold activity in specific regions definitely have some influence on, on mm. the content or, or conscious experience. Uh, but of course, we don't know the extent of it. And of course, a bold activity is a much slower, uh, mm. it's relatively slow. So, um, I don't know. I'm not sure whether this paper can inform us about mm. um, whether like how different mind states or, or yeah, like yeah. Um, or like even I am not sure if fMRI the approach can yes. answer that. So in this study, the patient, the participant, uh, yeah, how. What participants do in this study? Like I think this is a resting state. Yes, resting state. When they do. Yes, but there, yes, so yeah, I understand. But in this resting state, but the board uh, signal is changeable. And uh, they also uh, examine this change and uh, the relationship between the changes or energy or something. But yeah, I understand board signal is change, but what makes this change for a co cognitively or uh, cognitively or phenomenologically? I I can't understand. But I think this information is nothing, right? Uh, so uh, my understanding is that the, in the first part, uh, where they investigated the uh, the function of sub uh, cortical brain region. They use the functional uh, so resting state uh, brain activity. Mm. And after confirming the function, they analyze the data from the meditator. Yeah, meditator. And which uh, require a bottom press task. Mm. So, where the meditator needs to uh, press a button when their focus is apart from the breathing. Mm. So at this point, they started to, you know, connect or link the states of brain activity and the mm -hmm. states or the co cognitive states or conscious states. And what they found is that um, subcortical, you know, activity also relate to the you know, the change of the state of consciousness. Right? Mm. Here, the state of consciousness is not the, I think, appropriate word because it can be interpreted as a level of consciousness, but that's not something what they wanted to talk. Here, what they mean is that the, just the change of 
some conscious mm-hmm. content. Yeah, I, I agree. But so, yeah, yeah, I agree. But why the author <laughs> choose this mediator's awareness of change policies or something? Uh, so, yes, uh, yes, the change of contents of consciousness are correlated, uh, related with these uh, 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 neurotransmitter dynamics or arousal dynamics, I understand. But, mm, yes. Mediators, uh, mediators' awareness is one of the right, one of the changes of contents of consciousness, right? So this is this is like the default mode network changing. But how about the external uh, cognitive network changes or something? So this is I I'm what I'm wondering. Why why they choose this default mode network changes like the phrasing change of the mediators? But how about the other uh, cognitive uh, integration or uh, network changes? Now I I I I I'm a question. I have a question about this. No, I'm, I'm yeah. I'm not sure. Um... So is, is your question why they used uh, meditators uh, instead of like other cognitive tasks? I think they just had access to this data set, to be honest. Uh, I, I don't think, I don't necessarily think that, um, uh, well, again, and also perhaps with this kind of data, you uh, like perhaps they had easy access to it and then they could, uh, use this to connect uh, changes in the content of consciousness or conscious awareness um, with um, with their marker of, of this, uh, this MSD um, calculation of, of the bold signal. Um, but I think like there's nothing, I think, stopping them or, or anyone else to actually use this approach uh, with, for example, in task-related, uh, other task-related activities, because I think, yeah, definitely, if um, yeah, if this approach is a is a good way to uh, characterize uh, network dynamics in the brain, I think uh, there are a lot of different tasks um, that can be um, applied or that can be used to. Uh, Kind of explore and expand our understanding of the locus ceruleus activity because yeah like locus ceruleus um you know energetic activity that's very common in almost all cognitive tasks and uh attentional uh lapses are commonly associated with uh like decreased locus ceruleus activity yeah i see yeah, I'm, I agree with Aniko and Uchi's, you know, comment, but I think one possibility is that, um, you know, if you only focus on the spontaneous activity, I think it's the trajectory is more tractable because, you know, there will be no kind of a warp kind of situation, like from one state and then the next states is somehow like 
swap to the another state because it's a trend, you know, spontaneous. So the kind of the states that the energy landscape will like move around the previous, you know, time point. But if we present some, you know, external stimuli, the dynamics will completely, you know, change. So the, you know, the energy landscape will be will not be tractable anymore or still possible, but it's more complicated, I think. So I th that's the reason why I use, you know, this metadata data set, but that's my, you know, interpretation. Yeah, I think it's worth mentioning that they, uh, uh, they did share and I checked and they, the codes are available for this. So it's definitely um, potentially might be uh, a useful resource for anyone who is interested in implementing this measure and this approach because, yeah, potentially, I think that's a very good point to, to look at other um, like task related activity and what other subjective reports of uh, like changes, uh, changes in, in spontaneous talk. So I have one another question, which what which is about the uh, figure one, and they mentioned that um, temporal propagation is, or if you measure the temporal propagation of an um, LC related to uh, BNM, it propagates from frontal to uh, the posterior, and I. Can't understand what does it mean, and if you know, in they also mentioned that if you uh, measure the propagation of um, B and M related to uh, LC, it propagates from the posterior to um, anterior, so back from back to you know frontal. That's you know understandable, but the reversal, I just can't understand how we can, you know, interpret that. And again, you know, the LC is for integration between neurons and BNM is for divisive uh, normalization something. That's what they explained in the introduction. And, how you know these two different functions are related to the reversal you know propagation from you know posterior to anterior and anterior to posterior i just couldn't understand what that means do, do you did you understand that part or what what do you think Yeah, I think that's that's definitely something that they either uh, discuss in the supplementary materials or because because I, I also I haven't found uh, like uh, like how how did they um, like how how did they quantify this kind of um, wave propagation. 
Oh, I think you're muted again. Yeah, oh, this, so. yeah. I just wanted to say this, you know, the time, 40, roughly 40 minutes. Oh, I see. Okay, then, yeah, if, if you guys have, do you have any other question? Okay, for me. no yeah. other questions so okay well then thank you bye okay see you see you next week bye